Number 1. I was an exchange student from Malaysia and was placed in Missouri in 2006. They were a family of four, son and daughter, and they lived somewhere around Webster Groves. They looked nice, warm, and welcoming, but it was all a facade for they were trying to gain my trust. Coming from a country where all neighbors are practicing a million different religions would kind of desensitize you or make you very aware. I was the latter. The first week was fine, but sometimes I would wake up a little early and find them gathered in the kitchen in a circle, around the kitchen table, mumbling and whispering. They'd stop as soon as I entered. It was very disconcerting, but I brushed it off thinking it was an American quirk. During the second and third week, it became worse. The boy wouldn't touch me because I'm born from sin, his words, and the girl was afraid of me because I spoke to the father whilst looking him in the eye. I started prodding her for answers whenever little things that I did which are normal by the way, like reading before bed, talking directly to the parents, eating a sandwich, would elicit small gasps and hyperventilation. She told me that I have residues of the wicked and that I'm going to hell. She told me about a cleanse and a daily prayer wash. I've seen them singing the same hymns over and over again, reciting the same verses in different tones, and it really freaked me out. I wasn't stupid. I realized I was in a cult when they took me to church. I was made to sit in the front, and the pastor was conducting the service specifically for me. I realized it when I looked around and saw that everyone was looking at me. I felt like I was in a horror movie wide-eyed, silent stares. Men and women were separated, people wore different colored ribbons on their wrists, and the children looked haunted or just plain frightened. Nobody spoke to me or even came close to me. The men never looked me in the eye, and the women whispered and shunned me. I went there twice. School was on break so I had to stay in with them. Many weird things happened, but none was as bad as waking up in the middle of the night to find the mother sitting next to my bed reciting verses from the Bible in the dark. As soon as I'd awake, she'd stop and silently walk away. The family began treating me badly after that. I was punished for being out of line. No dinner, Locked in till morning, no sweet drinks, I had to cover up with long sleeve tops, long pants or skirt, etc. I think I only lasted because I was curious. They probably thought since I'm from Southeast Asia, I must be quite gullible and naive. They tried brainwashing me about how sinful I was, how lost I was, how the world is going to end and I'll be dragged into hell unless I accept their teachings. 
I was there for a month before our chapter coordinator came by for a visit. I told her everything, outside the house naturally, and I left with her immediately. We came back with a group of people from the exchange organizations about an hour later and found them in the midst of burning the things of the sinful non-believer. Thankfully, my passport and other relevant documents were untouched. I never found out what kind of cult they were. Number 2 I want to try to be concise and still give a proper breakdown of my time growing up in a cult. I'm going to start by breaking down the ideology. Second Coming of Christ They believe the Second Coming is, or was, alive. He was a Korean man who went by the name of Reverend Sun Myung Moon. He was given the mission by Jesus in a vision when he was 16 years old on a mountaintop, and it is his purpose to create an example of the ideal family so all may shape their families in its likeness and create an ideal world. Restoration of the Fall Jesus forgives your sins, but what about restoring humanity to what it was before the Fall by paying spiritual indemnities and cleansing humanity of those sins in the first place. Their idea of indemnity is almost like paying karma forward. You can put yourself through misery to either pay for past mistakes of humanity or to ensure good things will happen in the future. You can pay indemnity by 1. Living in a van for years and years in one of their task force fundraising by selling candles or wind chimes, sometimes more than 14 hours a day. 2. Getting an arranged marriage, after abstaining from absolutely any contact with the opposite sex all of your life, by the reverend himself, or now your parents, thereby overcoming the temptation of the fall by denying your desires and obeying the church completely. Actually, this is the most important aspect of the church, that you'll get matched and blessed, their word for marriage, is the only thing that will eventually restore humanity. 3. Converting other members. 4. Doing hundreds or thousands of bows to a picture of Reverend Moon every night for X amount of days. 5 taking cold showers every day for X days. 6. Fasting. You can drink water for a providential number of days, either 3, 7, 21, or 40. Now note, you must do a 7-day fast before you can get married. 7. Giving money offerings to the church. The church also started charging for ancestor liberation in the last couple of decades. Just like old school Catholics, you pay to have your dear old granddad hoisted out of the pits of hell. Since the church is Korean, they have deep resentment towards the Japanese, and ancestor liberation can be thousands of dollars per person liberated. For Americans, it was a little over a hundred, I think. 8. 
beat yourself to repetitive chance at an approved spirit cleansing event 9 or basically denying yourself of any human comfort or need for some time some do sleep deprivation conditions there's a lot else but I can't keep going growing up in the church there are countless strange rituals in the church like on your birthday you and your whole family have to wake up at 5 a.m go to your altar of reverend moon say a prayer and offer food when the ritual is almost over the birthday kid usually has to take the food and offer some to each of the family members and you always leave some on the altar there are countless stories told to the second generation or children born from marriages approved by Reverend Moon since we're supposed to have been born as purely as Jesus without original sins stories of members who left the church and immediately got hit by a bus or became prostitutes and died of ODing or killed themselves out of guilt now Koreans Korea in the church is seen as the new Jerusalem Koreans being the new chosen people every leader in the church is a Korean despite the religion's heavy unification of world cultures and religions overtones Koreans often were only matched to other Koreans none of moon's kids were allowed to marry anyone other than a Korean Japanese members have always been the church's cash cow guilting them into paying more in tithing and overcharging them for everything Americans got their fair share of that too the church often comes up with a new ceremony like a holy wine ceremony where drinking this new blessed wine usually juice will heal you of all your sins that of course you have to pay to get into sometimes they just make a big plea for extra money like their total life offering which was something like if you pay the church sixteen thousand dollars you would never have to pay them for anything again which was a lie some members took out second mortgages on their house to pay these offerings I will say in response to people in this thread who ask how someone could fall for this and how people could stay in it for so long cults like this never approach it like hey a Korean guy is the Messiah you want to join they take you through steps almost like Scientology but not so clearly defined the unification church was going around in America in the 70s preaching for true love and family values stuff many people especially people with Christian backgrounds can get behind the church does have heavy Christian influence so much of the language is the same but they'll start discussing things with you like the evils in the world if Jesus restored the world then why would there need to be a second coming we should prepare ourselves for the next Messiah a Messiah is exactly what we need how else can we right the wrongs of this world once you get them going on that you just pump them with all the same religious feel-good stuff God is our father God is watching out for you he wants the best for you God hurts when you don't do what's right 
and eventually God becomes some kind of emotionally sensitive dude you have to coddle and take care of. Then, once your members are pumped, they're living in vans, they're trying to recruit other people. That's when you start with the deeper shit. You know, the Messiah is here. The tension has been building to this moment for literally years. The members are overjoyed and can't wait to do anything this guy says so they can be like Jesus' first disciples. Now, no one thinks they're a victim. They think they're literally saving the world. It appealed to a lot of people who were raised Christian, but were dissatisfied with the contradictions or shortcomings of their parents' religion. Number 3. I was married to a Scientologist. Well, Scientology is weird. It's all-consuming, as most cults are. My ex-husband only knew and associated with people in Scientology. However, all his friends were actually very, very nice and really cool to me. I made a lot of friends through him. I never felt outwardly pressured to join Scientology, but the insidiousness was absolutely there, and I'll get to that. Ex-husband was raised in it. You could say he was a second-generation Scientologist. His parents joined back in the L.R. Ron Hubbard days, and they were in it. They both worked for the church as auditors. They were dirt poor. All of their money went to the church. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. They were so deep in debt, they had no health insurance and no money for anything except rent for their tiny, run-down apartment. That part made me the saddest. They were nice people. Now, I married him back when I was younger, more idealistic and willing to overlook major differences. I was a bit lost myself and really just looking to connect with anyone. I was always atheist and actually really against organized religion. But he always assured me that Scientology was not something he was active in and that it wouldn't be a problem. He wasn't taking any courses at the time we dated and were engaged, so I believed him that Scientology was more like his parents' thing than his. After we got engaged, he started telling me how a friend of his needs some help. She was training to become an auditor, the e-meter thing you hear about, and needed someone to practice on. I declined. He kept asking and insisted that it's just for her practice. It doesn't mean I'm doing Scientology and that it would mean a lot to him. So I did. And what a silly experience. Honestly, it's just ridiculous. You sit in a room with the auditor, hold these cans. Let me tell you, the rigmarole they use to get the cans set right so they pick up your wavelengths, or whatever they call it, is laughable. Lotion on the hands, squeeze the cans. That didn't work, 
go for a walk, drink some water. Lotion again, squeeze the stupid cans. All this over and over until something on the auditor's end says it's all working now, and then you're good to go. I lied through the whole thing. They acted like I made some amazing breakthroughs. I got a floating needle, and then that was it. However, I was then called over and over and over to come back. What the hell? I thought this was a one-time thing to help this chick out. Nope. They were all over me. They wanted three-hour sessions, days in a row, on weekdays. No wonder Scientologists are all poor as shit. They want you in constantly during work days. I became so disagreeable to them that they actually gave up calling me to get me in. I guess they figured me being married to one of them is enough to eventually get me. The Scientologists on the lower portion of the bridge tend to know nothing about the Xenu stuff. I asked them, and they acted like they'd never heard of it. I guess you don't get to read that tech till way later, a few hundred thousand deep. The overriding insidiousness I saw was the learned ability to scam people. I witnessed a Scientologist's own business get taken down by the feds for frauding their clients. Now, the reason I divorced him was because he stole a large sum of money from my account that was not to be touched. It just vanished, and he had nothing to say for it. He opened two credit cards in my name and maxed them out. He put me into financial ruin. It was a disaster. Number 4 I was born and raised in a cult, and considered myself a member up until I left my parents' home at the age of 18. The group I was associated with is not well known, but the effects on the members are tragic and undeniable. We were literally brainwashed. We had weekly services with a set program, three hymns, prayer, sermonette, hymn, announcements, main message, hymn, prayer. It never altered from that layout. As well, the messages we would hear were often videotaped sermons from maybe five main people at headquarters. The topics were extremely narrow. Prophecy, the end is coming, self-improvement, all of you suck and you should hate yourselves, setting ourselves apart, don't talk to worldly people, they will taint you. There were many ways in which we were indirectly encouraged to harm ourselves. Many people looked down upon modern medicine and felt that using it was a way of turning away from God, slapping him in the face, making it clear he wasn't needed. I personally knew people who died for their faith, waiting for God to heal them. On the other hand, when any of the main leaders fell ill, 
they were immediately rushed off to receive medical care. They controlled our diet. We pretty much were kosher, though they denied all influence or association from or with Jews. There were annual days of fasting, and whenever the leadership could scare up enough drama within the members, they would declare a church-wide fast so we could all get closer to God and resolve our issues. We fasted when the church's income was said to be dropping. We fasted when the leaders were ill. We fasted when people died. We had our own personal fasts for the hell of it, or when we felt especially guilty and out of touch with God. Parents were encouraged to get their children involved as young as possible. My parents tell me I started observing the annual fast when I was three years old. I remember one year when my brother was two or three. At one point during the day, he just broke down sobbing because he was so thirsty. And yeah, we abstained from food and drink. We got obscenely dehydrated every time. Looking back, I just don't understand how a parent can behave that way. And they were so sex negative, I can't even describe it. We spent so much time and energy frantically thinking, I can't think about sex, that it was all we thought about. It was evil, dirty, wrong, and it would hurt if we weren't married. I literally built up so much fear over it that when I did finally have sex, as an unmarried adult, I had literally developed vaginismus, a sexual pain condition. The cause is often psychological, in my case, being so afraid of it hurting that it hurt, which further fed into my fear. There was actually an entire message once where one of the leaders took on the subject, Are we a cult? And he actually went through a checklist with us. His conclusion that we were a cult, but that it was a good thing. We should be proud, only not. Pride is a sin. We should be pleased. You had to be baptized before a minister would marry you. You couldn't be baptized and marry someone else who wasn't. You couldn't marry outside the church. Some ministers wouldn't baptize you if they thought your only incentive was to get married. There were rampant cases of sexual abuse from the leadership, but we were always too fearful to report it, always taught that it must have, in some way, been our fault. Traditional gender roles were enforced, i.e., women stay home, pop out babies, cook and clean. Men were to work and support the home. Having children, and lots of them, was strongly encouraged. Be fruitful and multiply, and all that shit. Adoption was frowned upon, even for those who were unable to have their own children. So many families were living in poverty because there was just too many children to take care of. God forbid that any of them have a medical condition that required constant treatment. We were robbed on a regular basis. They called it tithing. 
Not only did we give 10% of our entire income, but we were also to set a second 10% aside to be used at a seven-day religious convention of sorts every year. And on every third year, we would give an additional 10% to the church. Imagine losing 20% of your income every year and 30% every third year. Imagine being poor to begin with. Imagine being told you are poor because you have been literally stealing from God by not diligently paying your tithes. Hey guys, thanks for watching. As you can tell from these stories, the reality of cults are very real and very scary. But you know which cult is actually pretty fun? Mine. Here at Let's Read. Now, the only thing I ask from you is to subscribe and stay tuned for more awesome videos to come in the future. And we would both be happy. That'd be great. Also, I'm always looking for new content and stories, so if you have a captivating story you're writing or true encounter you want to get off your chest, feel free to send them to me at the email in the description and I'll be sure to check them out. And maybe they could even be on the next video. That'd be sweet. I'm also super open to like debuting any new artist's music, any illustrations or animations, and also any narrators who are looking to collaborate on any future projects to be on their channel or mine. Uh, I think that's always such an awesome thing and I always want to stay open to that. So if you're just starting up narrating and you want to debut your stuff here on Let's Read, just shoot me a message here and I'll be sure to get back to you. So, as always everyone, thank you all for all the support that you've shown me thus far. I can't tell you how appreciative I am of it, and I'll see you soon.